Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. When I was in junior high, I learned about one of the greatest medieval inventions, if inventions is the right word, uh, of, of that time frame. Now, you might think I would be talking about something like running water, or the printing press, or steam power, or, or gunpowder. I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy reading about the history of guns, uh, matchlocks, wheel locks, Spin locks, dog locks, flint locks. I enjoy that kind of thing a little bit. But that's not actually what I'm, that's not actually the, the, the thing that jumps out at me. One of the biggest inventions that people overlook uh, of the medieval era was when they discovered crop rotation. The discovery of crop rotation changed the planet completely. Uh, once Europe discovered healthy crop rotation, suddenly there was no food shortage. And with no food shortage, there's a population explosion. And it was safer to live in, and, and, and people didn't have to worry about starvation, and it, and it, and it changed the world. Uh, in fact, the world population rose because we discovered crop rotation. Uh, we, with the price of fertilizer going up catastrophically in the last couple of months, we may be rediscovering it and, and, and learning just how useful it is. As farmers understand, there is an important work in healthy field management. And so on that note, we are in Matthew chapter 13 today, and I'd like to look at what Jesus says about the different kinds of soil and how the seed uh, is affected by the soil. Uh, it it's a bit of a longer passage, but I want to read it all at once because it's kind of hard to tear apart without reading it all at once. So Matthew chapter 13, and starting in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown, he who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. That is, this is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. 
In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who receives the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root... He lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So there's different aspects to this parable that Jesus goes into and discusses and that I think we should cover. The first thing I'd like to talk about is is the sower. Sometimes the parables of Jesus have a double meaning. That's why they're so brilliant. They seem like uh, such and such a story, but like an onion. There are layers, and when you peel it back, there's more going on than you at first realize than when you at first read that. That's what makes the parables so, so brilliant is there's, all, there's so much to discover in them. Who, who is the farmer sowing the seed? Oh, I know. That one's easy, right? That's God. Well, yeah, yes, it is God, but, but unless you are the really rare, and I mean really rare exception that, that like, like Paul on the road to Damascus, you heard a voice from heaven saying, follow me. You actually weren't converted. You, weren't, you, you didn't come to Christ because God spoke to you directly. God spoke through someone to get to you. I, I, I actually have met a couple of people that weren't Christians and bored, and, and, and I, think of, I, I think of one man that I know that, that, that was a real spiritual mentor to me. He was working at a bookstore. He wasn't a Christian at all and picked up a Bible off the shelf out of pure curiosity and read the thing cover to cover. Even he, somebody came into the store, saw him reading it. He was on his second time through it. And kind of like the Ethiopian eunuch, this person said to him, do you know what you're reading? And he said, no, I'm on my second time through it, and I still can't make entire sense of this. I, I like it, but I, I, I need more. I need to know how, how this fits in. All of us came to Christ because God put people in our lives who were willing to be sowers, who were willing to sow the seed. Someone explained the gospel to us. Someone explained our need for a Savior. Might have been mom and dad making you go to church. Might have been sitting in the pews listening to a preacher or a Sunday school teacher. Uh, Might have been a friend. 
it's possible to show up. I, I, we had a, had a couple of brothers that just randomly showed up one day. and They were bored, and, and they showed up at a church one day because they had nothing better to do. And we never got rid of them. It was a good thing. <laughs> they, they, they stuck around for years. They, 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 uh, we were glad that they came. But even showing up randomly, they still had to hear the word. They still had to have somebody explain it to them. God may be the farmer, but he uses us mere mortals as his hands. We are his laborers. So, good news with that and, and bad news with it. The good news is it's not our crop, not our field, not our seed, which, to be clear, that means if the crop doesn't grow, I don't have to feel guilty about it. It's not my problem. Uh, that, that, that's not my job. I think, I think Paul in particular is, is pretty clear about that. If the crops don't grow, that's God's job to worry about it. Paul reminds us that God causes the growth, the growth being the 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 producing of the faithful, people coming to Christ. That's a relief. If I tell somebody about Jesus and they say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, I'm not interested, that's between them and God. I don't have to go home and be stressed about that. I don't, I don't have to lose sleep about that. The Bible's very clear. It's not my job to make people become Christians. So there's good news that if you share the gospel with somebody and they reject it, don't feel guilty. It's not your fault. It's not, it wasn't your job to, to, to convince them. And, and I think that that's why a lot of people don't share the gospel. They're terrified about this rejection, that it somehow reflects on them that if they share Jesus and somebody doesn't accept Jesus, that they did it wrong. Very clearly, the Bible says that Jesus is a stumbling block. Statistically, most people that you tell about Jesus will not accept Christ. And we're reminded that, like, even the, you know, you take Billy Graham and you take the Billy Graham crusades and even take all the people that came forward to accept Jesus at a Billy Graham crusade. Statistic follow-ups say that less than 2% of those people were still going to church a year later. So people are going to reject Christ and you don't have to feel guilty about it. It's not your fault. And I think, and I think that that's, I think we take that burden on our shoulders and we, and, and the stress of what if they say no, what if they say you're crazy for believing this fairy tale stresses us out so much that we would rather not share the gospel. But this gets into the good news, bad news thing. The good news is it's not your fault if they don't accept Jesus. Don't worry about it. The bad news is, but we are the, we are the laborers. We are the sowers. And and if we don't do the sowing, if we don't share Jesus, we haven't done our job. We don't cause the growth. We do the sowing. The Bible's very clear about that. Jesus is clear that we sow the seed. God expects us to scatter the seed. Not, and, and isn't it interesting? We think, what a terrible sower. But the point of, because he just doesn't care where it goes. He just scatters the seed. But if that's Jesus' strategy then who are we to say it's a bad strategy, and who are we to try to improve upon it? And so we might be waiting for just the perfect time, and we might be waiting our entire lives for just the perfect time, but that's not God's strategy. God just scatters the seed. He doesn't wait for the perfect time or the perfect soil. or the per- He just scatters it. And, and, and when it falls in good soil, it grows, but the other three kinds of soil, it doesn't grow, but that's okay with God. Who are we to say that that's the poor strategy? Are we doing our job scattering the seed? People need to hear the gospel. And we need to do the work because God has no plan B. 
He doesn't speak to people audibly. He didn't speak to you audibly, and he won't speak to anybody else audibly. He works through us. That's what I want to say about the sower. What I'd like to say about the seed, in this passage, like the ones that will follow it, we'll look at another one next week, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the gospel. And again, gospel, the Greek word for gospel is euangelion. It's literally where we get our word evangelism. Evangelism and gospel, same word. It's good news. It's literally what the word means. Good news. But what is the good news? Well, the good news is that Jesus died for us. The good news is we don't have to go to hell if we accept Christ as our Savior. The gospel alone has the power to change people's lives, to bring people to God. Now, here's something I found interesting in researching this. Different plants, this goes back to that crop rotation thing, different plants have different effects on soil. That's the whole point of crop rotation. Some, some plants really pull certain nutrients out of the soil, and planting those year after year after year after year uh, depletes the soil, and the soil doesn't grow anything. But the crop rotation of, of one plant one year and then a different plant the next year and then letting it sit for a bit recuperates the soil. Some plants are actually good for the soil. I didn't know this. What I read... Uh, And I gather farmers know this. Uh, The right seed in the right place can even reclaim the soil. Mustard plants, I've read, reclaim soil. And I find that interesting because Jesus loves to use the example of the mustard seed, uh, comparing the gospel to the mustard seed. Uh, we'll, We'll even talk specifically about the mustard seed next week. The gospel can change lives, the gospel can take bad soil and turn it into good soil, take bad people and turn them into good people. That, that's the point of the gospel. If I could be good without the gospel, if I could be good without Jesus, then I don't need him. The whole reason Jesus died was because I can't do it on my own. I can't be good enough. For God, on my own, I need to be transformed. I need to be reclaimed from sin. The Bible assures me that I don't have the power to please God on my own. I am a sinner. I am not good enough to please a perfect God. What am I to do? But that's where the gospel planted in me makes a difference. What I cannot do, God can do. I wish that God was transforming me quicker. But God works in his own time, not mine. Let me be very, very clear. Let me disabuse all notions. I think everybody knows this. I am as human as you are. Um, I I am as imperfect as you are. I am trying to become more Christ-like. I am failing daily. I, 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 I do think, and I don't think that this is arrogance, I think I am more Christ-like than I was last year because otherwise the Holy Spirit isn't doing his job. I think I'm I'm learning. Um, I think I'm learning to try to act more like Christ, to try to be more Christ-like. Lately, I feel like a lot of that has just been biting my tongue. Still not enough, still not enough, uh, but keeping my opinions that are often wrong to myself, um, speaking, speaking the words of Christ. It's still an ongoing process. I wish it was quicker. I'm impatient. I wish I was more like Jesus, but it is happening. Um, he is changing me. The seed of the gospel in my life is reclaiming me from Satan. 
It came to me at the right time. I heard the gospel at the right at, at an appropriate time where it made sense to me. And and it wasn't in one sitting. Every now and then, somebody's just in that place where just out of the blue, the gospel is shared, and they go, wow, that's exactly what I'm looking for. But most of us, it's a gradual dawning. Ooh, I think I need this. I, too, then have to throw out the seed all the time. I don't know that there is for most of us this one time that you just got to share the gospel this one time, and it's perfect, and, and, it, saves their, and, and it saves their lives. And No, it's just this ongoing process of sharing the gospel, knowing that they'll reject it, but, but it started. It's percolating, and they'll hear it again, and it goes a little bit like a gear in their head, in our heads, that has all those teeth on it. And, and every, time, every time we hear the gospel, it, 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 it turns just another notch, and eventually things click into place, but it takes time. I don't know when that, since there is no perfect time for most people, you just got to throw the seed out all the time. Sometimes people will, will accept the gospel. Sometimes not. I, biblically, I might even say most of the time not. So am, am I willing to throw the seed out? You're going to say, Jason, it, 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 it fails a lot. Yeah, out of four different kinds of soil, Jesus says three of the four fail. Am I willing to throw it out there and be comfortable with the fact that most of the time that I throw the seed out, it fails? It's okay for God. God's willing to throw the seed out and let it fail. I need to be comfortable in letting that happen as well. As a strategy, if it works for God, there's no reason for me to reject that strategy. People will not accept the gospel. That doesn't mean that the gospel isn't, isn't perfect seed. Um, my job is not to make the seed grow. My job is to sow it. And so that gets then to the question of what what about these different soils that the seed falls upon we've got jesus gives us four different examples if the sower is god and and we help we we help we sow on his behalf he is he is the master sower and if the seed is the gospel that means we are the dirt we're the soil and and there are different kinds of soil there are different kinds of people let me get a little bit more specific. The soil is our hearts, not the thing that beats blood. You know that. What I mean, you know, in, in the U.S., we use this example that the heart is the seat of, of kind of our, our soul. Um, the soil is where the seed grows. The, it's the same seed that the sower sows. There's one gospel. There's only one. There's a gospel. Take it or leave it. There's no plan B. The sower sows one seed, and it's a perfect seed. Sometimes it grows, sometimes it doesn't. But if the seed doesn't grow, it's not because the seed is bad. The gospel is perfect. The soil may be bad. Uh, and, and that's on us as the dirt. Sometimes our hearts are not receptive to the gospel. What differs is, that it, it is us. So our job in this not to make the seed good it's the gospel the gospel is perfect already there's nothing you can do to fix it and it's definitely not our our job to apologize for it it's the worst strategy i can imagine but i've seen people try to do this you know i know what the bible says but it's the word of god it's perfect not everybody's going to like it it's not your job to make it palatable the gospel of christ is perfect our job to sow the seed well well 
kind of. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that. Our job is to be used so that God can sow the seed for others. But on a more personal level, our job is to be good dirt. Uh, to accept the seed. We want to be the kind of soil that encourages spiritual growth, not kills it off. We need the seed to grow in us. As, as, as a church, as a corporation, we want to be the kind of church that encourages spiritual growth and not kills it off. You, you think that seems common sense, but statistically 80% of churches in our country are shrinking. And there may be a reason for that. We, we want to create an environment where growth can occur. What kind of a church are we? Are we a shallow church where, where no one grows? Are, are we weeds who choke out anybody who thinks differently than us? Anybody who, who, who thinks of, of new strategies? You know, so, some churches are so caught up in their tradition that if anybody comes and says, maybe if we tried this, as, as an evangelistic outreach. No, 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 we've never done it that way before. And so those people won't grow. Or they'll go somewhere where, 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 where people are willing to, to have other, other plans other than their own. Um, are, are we so compact as a church and so close-knit that no one can get in? Visitors don't feel welcome because everybody knows everybody and we're our own little closed community and, and, and we're not welcoming to outsiders. A shallow Christian. Shallow Christian is not a healthy Christian. Shallow Christian is too busy for God. Shallow Christian is too busy for the things of God. We get caught up in our own world. We don't think past us. To be clear, and I've said this before so many times, this isn't about you. You like our church. I do. I, I hope that you do. But at the end of the day, it's not my priority. I want God to like our church. I hope that if God likes our service, you like it too. I do. But we're here for God. I, the question, what am I getting out of church, is not my top priority. If, if you come to me and say, Jason, I just didn't get much out of that. I do want to talk about why that is. But we're not consumer-focused. We're, we're not that old slogan, your way right away, wasn't that Burger King, I think? We're, we're not about your way. We're about, we're about trying to do it as biblical as we can, his way. And hopefully you see that and see that that's a need, and hopefully you say that's the kind of church I'm looking for. The healthy Christian is like healthy soil. With, the right bal- and, and with all the right balance that the seed of God may grow in their life. Now, what I think is interesting, just it's an aside, but it, I think it's a good aside. Isn't it interesting? I saw a comic a couple days ago on, on the internet that, I, that, that, you know, think of the prettiest flowers, and the prettiest flowers require the right balance of sunlight and, and, and potting soil and, and moisture, water, and, and there's all these things that take to make just the right flower and get these a little bit wrong and they don't grow. Why is it that a dandelion can pop up between the cracks of a sidewalk and flourish with no effort on anybody's part? Why have we as a human nation decided that, that uh, as a human people have decided that flowers, which don't seem to grow very easily, are, are 
worth our effort when we could all have just decided we're falling in love with dandelions and we'd have no trouble having the, the prettiest yellow yards. Weeds don't take effort. Flowers do. Flowers take a lot of effort, but weeds will just pop up naturally. If you don't tend your garden, you will not have flowers, you will have weeds. And I think that that's very much something to be said about this soil, that the untended garden gets the weeds and the thorns. The spiritual life takes effort on our part. We are all growing, (laughs) but maybe we're not all growing the things that God wants us to do. Are we growing the seed that he wants us to do, or are we growing weeds? And so having talked about the sower and the seeds and the soil, there is one more thing. I know usually you have a nice three-point sermon. There's a fourth thing that begins with S in this parable that I think is worth talking about. Who is the birds that snatch away the seed before it gets time to root on the path? It's Satan. The devil takes away the seed before it can can take root. The rocks that prevent roots from growing deep, well, that's Satan too. The thorns that choke off a plant, that's the devil too, isn't it? Satan has many different strategies that work for him. He's an innovator. He's, he'll try anything. And, and different strategies for different people. For some people, some people are just antagonistic to the gospel. They, you share the gospel with them. They have made up their mind. This is a nonsensical fairy tale. They will never buy into this. Done. That's from Satan. That doesn't mean that they're horrible people. That doesn't mean they're enemies. Our only enemy is Satan. They're not the enemy. It may feel like they're the enemy. God loves them. God loves them and wants to hear, but, for what, but, but they have put themselves in a place uh, with Satan's help that the, that the seed is, is just taken from them. And our prayer for them is that they will soften and that something will happen in their life to break up that, that path that the seed is on before it's too late. Some start out okay, but the roots don't take. They don't, they don't last long. Christianity's fun at the beginning. It's the latest phase but they get bored in a year or two, and they move on. Um, Some do fine while it's easy, but this life is full of thorns, and it it chokes us off, and real real life takes over, and we we get too too busy. I think the tragedy, uh, we've talked about the tyranny of the urgent, that it's so easy to say, oh, I've got to get this done this week, and I've got to get this done, and I've got to get this done. These are important taxes are due, and all these other things. And, and we let, they're urgent, and it's important to get your taxes done, but we keep sacrificing prayer and Bible reading and going to church. And, and, and eventually, we look back on our life and say, wow, I haven't been to church in five years. Everything else came up. And they, and they may have even been important, but they're not eternally important. And, and the problem is that something that we put off just keeps getting put off. And, and, every, and, and real life takes over, but that's not real life. So let's step on toes for a minute because I get paid to do it. Most of you sitting here are not the, the seed falling on the path. I don't think you'd be here or you would have got up and left. Unless your parents made you come. You're, you're probably not the seed that's falling on the path. You're, you're listening. You're giving me a chance to explain the gospel. Uh, some of us here may not be here next year. This is a passing fad. It, the, 
Sounds interesting, Jason. It's cool, but eh, we'll move on. We'll try the next religion. We'll try the next spirituality kick. It, you know, too much hard work to grow in Christ. We'll, we'll find something else. Some of us, uh, uh, some of us would be would do better if real life wasn't choking us off. Uh, and, and and let me be clear. I think this is the one I relate to the most. Real life is tough. <laughs> There's a lot. The last two years have been brutal in so many ways. We all know this, and and I was convinced when they shut the country down that nothing's going on. I will have more time than I've ever had before to do all these things that I've wanted to do, all these home repairs and think. What did the last two years be? How were they the busiest two years of my life? Um, there are the the concerns of real life are have really. I'm struggling against that. Um, there's, all, it, there's always something, and that's the problem. If there's always something and I let that get into my life, the next thing I know I haven't cracked my Bible, except maybe when I go to church on Sundays. The next thing I know I'm only praying on, on, on Sundays. Once, once I was faithfully digging into prayer and the Word, and then maybe at some point I'm not anymore, that there's something that keeps coming up. I don't want to be the soil and the thorns. I want to get rid of the thorns. Uh, James and I this morning read about the rich young ruler who wanted to follow God, wanted to follow Jesus. How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, your money is your distraction. And that made the guy sad because now he had to choose between Jesus and money. And the fact that he walked away sad makes me think I know what he chose. I don't want anything else to get in the way of me and Jesus. I don't want thorns in my life. Satan has a strategy for all of us. And it helps us to know the strategy that he uses to get at us so that we can get rid of the path or the rocks or the thorns and instead become the good soil that grows in him, uh, that, that, that his gospel grows in us. Our hymn of invitation today is hymn number 337. So, again, the parable. There are two levels to this, at least. There, there, there's, the, there's the upfront level of, ev- of evangelism. We are to share the gospel, and, and that's our job, and we recognize that it will fall on different soils. But, but then we look at the fact that we're, we're the soil, and that's a deeper meaning as well, that it, it, it hits close to home. Part of this is the question, are you scattering the seed? Are you sharing Jesus? If, if you're a Christian, you're, you're a witness, you're, you're, you are an evangelist. Now, there are some people who do it full-time, and, and, and I get that. But all Christians should always be sharing their faith when God gives them opportunity. Do we let God work through us? But then, after that, we also then turn, turn our eyes to in, inward to ourselves and say, what is God doing in my life? Am I letting myself grow close to him, or, or am I letting Satan uses different strategies to pull me away from him. Christian growth is painful. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen easily. To stay on the, on, the, on the analogy of plants, pruning takes a plant that has become bad and makes it good again. But it takes some cutting. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it takes a painful process to get the plant to back to healthiness. Pruning in our lives is the same. It gets us where we need to be, but it may hurt in the moment. But we recognize that that's what God calls us to be, call, call, calls us to do in our lives. 
is to allow him, sometimes uncomfortably, to make some changes in our lives so that we can be in a healthier place. My question is, what kind of soil are you? What, where is your heart with God? And if, and if the seed hasn't taken root yet, I want to talk with you about what it means to be a Christian and, and what good soil looks like, and we can talk about that after church. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.